Are we good, Rich Church? Hey, uh, my name is Bobby, and I am uh, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. We're so glad you're with us today as we uh, start a brand new series here today called Three Things That Jesus Never Said. And you saw some of the things on the screen uh, in the video there that uh, we just rolled across uh, for a few minutes. And so today we're actually looking at a dangerous lie that has really serious consequences. And, and I would say this, that all of the things that we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks have some dangerous consequences to them if we buy into them, if we believe them, if we put ourselves uh, into them. And so uh, things like this, cleanliness is next to godliness. I don't know if you know that or not, but Jesus never said that. In fact, the Bible doesn't even say that. It doesn't even say that cleanliness is next to god- godliness. Uh, here's a, a really popular one uh, that we've uh, maybe bought into or, or maybe believe, and it's really just a verse that is taken out of context where Paul says that, that God will never give you more than you can bear. And, and the only problem with that is the Bible itself, is because the Bible itself doesn't even teach that. The Bible itself actually teaches quite the opposite of that, that, that God will give us more than we can bear. Because if we could bear it on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus. Amen. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. And so we'll spend some time unpacking that one. And, and another one uh, that, that we'll talk about is, is that, you know what, if you want to, to be in God's good graces, if you want, to, you want God to look at you favorably, then what you need to do is you need to clean yourself up first. You've got to get things together. You've got to get your life together first. And then, and then Jesus will listen to you. Then he'll talk to you. Then he'll... He'll look favorably upon you. And so these are, these are some things that, that are there. And there's all kinds of things. And really what they are is there's some cultural myths that say that, uh, that we've believed, that we've bought into, and, and things that God never really said, things that Jesus never said. And we're going to look at one of those today. And really today is, is kind of a, a heavy message. And so uh, we want to have a little, little fun at first because I'm, I'm just going to step on your toes for the next uh, 20 minutes after this. So uh, get ready for it. But uh, l- let's do this. Uh, I want you to look around the room, scan around the room here, and I want you to just find somebody. It doesn't, you don't have to get up, but just look, find somebody. And on the count of three, I want you to say, you're the biggest sinner I know. One, two, three, go. Uh, I didn't expect you to actually really do that, but uh, you, you, you did it anyway, and you pointed some people out, so um, all right. Uh, that's awkward, isn't it? it listen, it, it, it's, a, it's a little awkward when, when we talk about sin sometimes. And, and it's almost become, in, in our culture, it's almost become the, the unpardonable sin, cultural sin, to call someone a sinner. And, and here's the thing about sin and sinners and all of that stuff. We don't use that term outside of church much, do we? Like, like we, don't, we don't really talk about it much outside of church. We don't really use the word sin and, and, and sinners much outside of the, uh, of the context about church. But, but it's really, um, it's politically incorrect, it almost seems. Oh, I hate that term anyway, but... It's politically incorrect to, to call someone a sinner. I got, I got an email one time, one of those lovely anonymous emails um, one time. Not here at this church, it was somewhere else. But I, I got an anonymous email one time, and it was someone yelling at me through email, because they were using all caps, right? That's what you do when you use all caps, you're, you're, you're yelling. So in my mind, I'm picturing somebody screaming at me. And, and they're talking about how, um, 
how I, I shouldn't have called everyone in the room sinners. That I shouldn't have called everyone in the room sinners. Actually, the, the term was filthy, rotten, dirty sinners. That's, that's the, and he was correct. That's exactly what I said. Filthy, rotten, dirty sinners. But these eight-year-olds, they needed to be told. And so <laughs> it had to be done. And I was going to do it. <laughs> and so, and so uh, he was upset that I had called them all filthy, rotten, dirty sinners and said that I talked about sin way too much. And um, uh, so I, I, I love awkward, anonymous emails. But it's, it's awkward to kind of call people sinners and, and to talk about sin. But we need to recognize that, that sin is, is very real and it has dramatic earthly and spiritual consequences. It's really, sin, sin is something that is, that is very serious. And, and, and let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We are sinners. We are sinners. And so there are three cultural myths about sin and, and the reality of sin that I want to unpack for us uh, today. My son Isaiah, he loves to, he loves to play with Legos. And uh, I love to play with Legos. I'm 37 years old, and I love to play with Legos. Uh, but he loves to play with Legos, and so uh, we build a lot of things. He also loves to uh, play Minecraft. I don't get Minecraft. I don't get it. But he loves to do the whole Minecraft thing. So he's building things and, and constructing things with Legos and Minecraft and all of these things. But then he does something very interesting also is that he deconstructs them. Once he constructs them, he sort of deconstructs them and then puts them all back together again. And I'm like, this is madness. I don't understand why you're doing it. Like, just put it together and leave let's get some super glue out lego move all right so like uh, mr business we're gonna take care of this thing right here and like so put them together leave them together but he likes to construct things and then deconstruct things and really if we're being honest this is what jesus does is jesus so many times in the scripture we see jesus takes something that has been constructed around a cultural thought of the time, and he deconstructs it. You'll, in fact, you'll see Jesus uh, say this in the Scriptures a lot. You'll, you'll see him say, you have heard it said, and then he'll explain what, what many of us have heard said, and then, uh, or at the time, that what, what many of people had thought and heard said, and then he'll say, but I say to you. And so there are things that we have heard said about Sin. There are things that, that have been constructed for us, and, and maybe it's because of the culture that we grew up in. Maybe it's because of uh, maybe what someone else has sort of taught us. But the truth is that these things that we're going to unpack here today, Jesus never said. He actually never said these things. And so we're going to look at these, and, and we're going to deconstruct and then reconstruct with spiritual truth. And so I want to give you a couple of cu cultural misconceptions around sin. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. There's, there's three of them that we want to unpack today. The first one is this. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. Uh, I'm, maybe, and maybe you, I don't know if you think this or not, but I know uh, some people who actually think this. And, and if we're being honest, we have all really thought this. I'm not a bad person because... I do some pretty good things. Like, like I, don't, I don't really, you know, I've never killed anybody. I've never really done anything really horribly bad. And so I'm not really a bad person. I'm, I'm a, a good person. I always kind of chuckle on the inside, and, and people don't get it, especially if I do it out loud when people say, oh, they're good people. I just kind of chuckle. I'm like, no, they're not. Not really. Not, not really good people. You know, but they just look at me like I'm weird. Like, you know, so unless I've got about 30 minutes to unpack why I believe that they're not really good people, then, you know, it looks really kind of funny. But uh, 1 John 1.8, listen to what 1 John 1.8 says. It says this. It says, if we 
say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have no sin, in other words, if we say that we're good people, then what we're doing is we're actually lying to ourselves. And here's the truth. No one has lied to you better than you have lied to you. We, we, we've, we've deceived ourselves so well that we've forgotten that we've deceived ourselves. In fact, right after this, uh, two verses later, it actually says that if you believe that lie, then you actually are calling God a liar. You're saying, God, you are the liar. If we believe the lie that, that we ourselves have not sinned. And so if we claim to be without sin, and, and, and I know for some of us, it's not enough just to say that, that the Bible says. Well, okay, I get it. So the Bible says that if we claim to be without sin, then we've deceived ourselves, and then we're calling God a liar. Okay, I get it. So, so the Bible says that. And for some of us, some of us, we look at that and say, so what? So the Bible says that. And so what I want to do is I really want to, to unpack this a little further because if we're honest compared to others, and we believe this, look, come on, let, let, let's be real here, church, and we, we believe this, that compared to others, we are pretty good. We can compare ourselves to others, we can look at other people, and we can say, you know what, in comparison to that person, I'm not that bad because I have never done whatever. And so we look at that person, we say, because they've done that, then I'm not that bad because I've not done that. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good compared to the guy who's always yelling at his spouse, yelling at his kids. And, you know, I'm pretty good compared to my, to my neighbor who never mows their yard, right? Well, at least I mow mine every week, you know? I'm pretty, I'm pretty good compared to my coworker who cheated on his spouse and got a divorce. I'm pretty good than that person because they, they cuss like a sailor. I don't cuss like a sailor. You know, I get mad now. I've never flipped anybody off that I got caught, you know. So, like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. In, in, in comparison, we can always find someone that we think that we are better than. And so, in reality, as long as we pay most of our bills on time, don't cuss too much, hit up church a few times a month, then we're not that bad, really, are we? The only problem with this is God. <laughs> God actually has a problem with this. And, and when we compare ourselves to a holy God, we are not that good. In fact, we're JV at best. We're not even JV. We haven't even made the JV team. Like, compared to a, a holy God, we're not that good. My son Isaiah and I, we, we love to, to, to play football inside the house. I don't recommend this, but we do this. And uh, it's, it's not good. Things get broken. And so we do this a lot, though. And so we play football inside of the house. Now, now when we play football, we actually play in a very narrow hallway. And so it's a lot of fun. You know, we just chuck each other against the wall. It's great. But, and so we play in, this, in, in, in the hallway of our house, and, and it goes into the playroom. And I, and I always play on my knees with my son because if I'm standing, there is no chance. And really, in reality... He has no chance at all. There are times that, that he'll just come at me and I'll just pick him up underneath my arm and go to the end zone on my knees with him underneath my arm. And it's fun. And so in comparison, he and I, in comparison, he is nothing compared to me. But you put a helmet and some shoulder pads on me and put me on an NFL football team and I'm getting worked. <laughs> worked. Like it's not, it's going to be, I'm going to be a greasy bloody spot on the field if i make it on the field 
And so in, in comparison, in comparison there, I don't even match up. And so maybe you still don't believe me there. Maybe you still think, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm still pretty good. Let, let, let's do this. Uh, a little crowd participation. How many of you have told a lie before? Just any lie. doesn't matter. Big lie, little lie, little lie. Okay. All right. If you're not raising your hand, guess okay. Um, all right. There we go. All right. Uh, how many of us have ever uh, stolen anything? I mean, like, you know, took a pen home, you know, so just a quarter off a of mom's desk, you know, whatever. We've all kind of done that, right? We've all, all been there before. Um, how many of us have ever looked at someone lustfully? Yeah. Some of you thought twice about raising your hand on that one because you're like, is she going to see me? And so, so here, here's, here's the reality. We're all lying, thieving adulterers, right? Every one of us, myself included, especially. So this idea of being good kind of falls through the cracks. And so welcome to the ridge where we make you feel good about yourself all day long. Paul says this in Romans 3.10, he says, As it is written, no one is righteous, not even one. None of us are righteous. In other words, none of us are, are holy, none of us are good, none of us are perfect, none of us are righteous, not even one. And and understand, this is Paul writing this, he's even saying this about himself, because later he says, of all sinners, I am the chief of all sinners. And so Paul, the apostle Paul, the great Paul, writer of most of the New Testament, is saying, none of us, including myself, especially me, none of us are righteous. We are all sinful, and we are not that good in reality. And so this idea that I'm not that bad of a person it's just not true. Jesus, Jesus never looked at us and said, hey, you know what? You're not that bad. <laughs> you're, you're, you know what? You're, you're, uh, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. I'm, I'm not, I, me dying for you, you're okay. So you're, you're kind of off the list, okay? You're good. You're good. Thank you for being good. Jesus, Jesus never said that. The second one, cultural myth that, that we sometimes believe about sin is that, that since I've already done it, since I've already sinned, why stop now? Since I've already done it, why stop now? I'm not a virgin anymore, so why should I, why should I stop having sex now? It doesn't matter. I mean, it's kind of gone out the window, so, so why, should I, why should I stop now? I've already done drugs. Why should I stop now? I've cheated. What's going to make me stop from, from cheating now? I watch porn. You know, why, why, why stop now? I've kind of already broken that barrier, so, so why, should, why should I stop now? I mean, the, the, the barrier has already been broken. God's heart has already been broken. I've already sinned against God now, so, so why should I stop now? You see, Paul asked a very similar question in Romans 6. In fact, he, he says this. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He's asking a, a really good question here. He's saying, he's saying, because there is grace, because there is grace upon grace, because God gives us his grace, then in order to, to receive more grace and to continue to walk in grace, should I just keep on sinning? He says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And so listen, it's a very important concept here. Jesus, Paul says this, the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul says this. He says, he says, no, 
You should not continue to, just because you've sinned, just because you've kind of broken that barrier doesn't mean that you can't go back. And so why would you continue to walk in that? If you're a believer, you have died to that. That sin was crucified with Christ on the cross. And as you have been crucified with him, you have been recognized in his death. And you were also recognized in his resurrection. And so you have been made new. And so why continue acting like the old person that you were? Paul makes a very strong argument for this. If God is going to forgive us, right, the myth is, then why, why stop? In other words, since Jesus died for us, listen, our sin, is no, our sin no longer has power over us, so why would we go back? I've already done it, so I might as well keep on. It's not a, it's not a big deal, so so. Should I just go on sinning because there's grace? Paul says, absolutely not. And so here's why this is important. This is why I press on us every single week. There is not a week that goes by that I don't stand up here on this stage and say some of the same things over and over and over again. You see, I'm preaching the same sermon to you guys for the last six years. Eventually, you'll catch on. But here's the deal. Every single week, it's the same Thing. confess and repent confess and repent turn from our sin and turn to the cross because here's the deal you and i it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer it doesn't matter how long you've walked with christ whether it's been for one day or for 50 years you never get past the gospel the gospel is not a door that you walk through and you leave behind the gospel is the place that you live in You never get past the gospel. The gospel is not just for sinners. The gospel is for believers. And the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And so we never move past the gospel because sin is progressive. Sin is progressive. It it keeps growing. And listen, sin grows best in darkness. And so this is why I'm constantly telling us that we need to confess and repent. We need to to draw sin out into the light because the scripture tells us to to bring it to the light. Right after 1 John 1, 8 where where uh, John says that that in... that we deceive ourselves if we say that we have no sin. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, meaning Jesus is faithful and just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so my prayer for us all week has been that the Holy Spirit would lovingly show you and I our sin today. Because... If you've walked with Jesus any length of time, you know this, that there are times that Jesus does not lovingly show us our sin. There are times that he strongly convicts us of our sin. My prayer for us this week is that that we would have an opportunity for, for the Holy Spirit to lovingly show us our sin. The moment that we think that sin is not a big deal is the moment that we lose. It's costing us more than we know. Because when our, our hearts, when, when, we, when we continue to, to allow sin to be progressive, and, and in fact, we, we've talked about this a lot in, in uh, different messages here at the Ridge, is that we cannot allow sin to continue to live. We can't act like that we can train sin, that we act like that we can control our sin, that we can say, well, I can just stop that and, and not do that any time that I want because sin always has a consequence. 
always. There are earthly consequences. There are spiritual consequences. There are eternal consequences. There is a hell because there is sin. And we have to understand these things. We have to, to realize these things. Because when we continue to live in sin, our heart hardens toward God and we lose sight of God. We can't hear His voice any longer. And we get so far gone that we start to ask the question, why even go back? And so we can't ever believe that sin isn't a big deal. And so here's the good news. The gospel. That Jesus is a friend of sinners. And so the third myth is this. We've alluded to it already, that sin isn't a big deal. Here's how I know that, that sin is a really big deal. Because Jesus. Because Jesus. I, I, I typically don't give my messages titles a lot. Uh, in fact, uh, in my notes, my messages are always titled, Three Things Jesus Never Said, Week One. That's it. Like, I'm, I'm not very good at whole, you know, titles and stuff like that. But, but today was one of those days where I thought, you know what, this message needs a title. And the message of this title is this. And really, the whole bottom line of the message is this. Because Jesus. Because Jesus. Sin, here's, uh, here's how I know that sin is a big deal. Because Jesus, if sin's not a big deal, the cross is empty of its power. And Jesus died in vain for no reason. But because God has pursued you and I, and God would pursue us to the ends of the earth, God has pursued us so that he could save us. He has given us Jesus. Because Jesus, we have salvation. We have the opportunity for salvation. None of us this morning have ended up here by accident. None of us are here today uh, by accident. I don't think that, that you ended up here by accident. You didn't surprise God by, by sneaking in here somehow today, thinking that you were going to kind of sneak in and, and, and get in and, and, and sneak right back out. You being here today is part of God's pursuit of you. To either save you right now where you sit, or possibly plant a seed in you that will one day result in your salvation, or to possibly lovingly show you and convict you of sin as a believer. I love what Peter writes in 2 Peter 3.9. He says this, he says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Is that not good news? I mean, come on, church, that's good news, right? He's, he is patient with us. But is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Listen, Jesus' desire for you and I is that we would reach repentance, that we would repent and confess of our sins. Now, not all will, but his desire for all is that we would. The only unpardonable sin is to not Repent of sin. All sin can be forgiven. Listen, because Jesus. Just like we see with Hosea and Gomer. I, I love the story of Hosea in the book of Hosea. It's such a, a, a beautiful picture of the gospel in the Old Testament. It's a, a foreshadow of who Jesus is and, and what he is doing for us and God's 
pursuit of us. You have a man by the name of, of Hosea who is a, a preacher, right? He's a, he's a pastor, he's a preacher, he's a prophet, and, and God comes to Hosea and says, Hosea, I want you to go and marry the prostitute, Gomer. A prostitute. He says, I want you to marry her. I want you to pursue her and woo her and draw her into yourself. And then I want you to have children with her. And so Hosea does. And then later on, Gomer leaves Hosea and goes right back into where she came from. Right back into the place. Right back into her prostitution. And God comes to Hosea a second time. And I love this because this is a picture of Jesus with us. As he comes back to Hosea a second time and says, Hosea, I want you to go love Gomer again. I want you, in fact, I want you to go and get her. And I want you to give everything that you have to purchase her back. Isn't that what God has done for us? He gave everything. He gave us Jesus. Now, it's not that we've come after God, but that God has come after us. And we only need to look at Jesus to see it. Jesus willingly lays down his life so that he could pay for sinners to be saved. Thomas Watson said that till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. And sin is the greatest enemy to intimacy with God, but because Jesus, he is a friend to us. I'll close with this, Luke 4, 18 through 21, it says this, the spirit of, this is Jesus actually quoting the prophet Isaiah, Uh, Isaiah prophesied this about Jesus Hundreds of years before, Jesus says this. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's us. And recovering the sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That's us too. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And listen... To me, this, uh, when I see this, I read this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I just, in my mind, this is all I could think of. Jesus is in the synagogue. He's teaching this. He unrolls the Scripture, and he's reading about himself, and he says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good. He's talking about himself, and he's reading from this scroll. It says the next thing that he did is that he just rolled the scroll back up, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. This is the equivalent of Jesus. Just, Jesus just dropping the mic and walking away. He's just like, what's up? What's up? But he doesn't stop. He says, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hashtag boom. First hashtag ever. Right there. And so he says, he says, I, I am the one that this scripture is talking about because me, Jesus. And so no, we are not good. Yes, we should stop right in the middle of our rebellion towards God. We should stop rebelling towards God in our sin. And yes, sin is a big deal. And we know it's a big deal because Jesus. But because Jesus, 
He, the innocent, became the guilty so that the guilty, which is you and I, could be set free. That's what we're going to sing about in the next few moments. That's what we're going to proclaim with our, with our hearts and our, and our lips. Because Jesus loved us so much, he willingly gave up his own life so that, that we could have eternal life. Because Jesus. I'm a sinner, but because Jesus, I'm free. I'm Gomer, but because Jesus, I've been brought back. I am in rebellion, but because Jesus. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So this morning as we sing this song, I just want to invite us to to take the very next step. And I don't know what your very next step is. Maybe it's just a moment of confession and repentance this morning. Maybe you've believed some of these myths around this, is that, that your sin isn't a big deal because... For you, maybe you look at your sin and you say, well, it's not really hurting anybody, but it is hurting somebody. It's hurting you. It's hurting your relationship with God. It's, it has separated you from communion with God. So yes, your sin is a big deal because it is hurting someone. It's hurting the heart of God. It's hurting you. Maybe you think, well, you know what? I've kind of already gone down this path, so... What's going to make me come back? Nothing's going to make you come back except for the Spirit of God. So this morning, maybe you need to take the very next step to just confess and repent. Right where you stand, right where you sit, you're welcome to come down front here and, and, and pray. And people will join you and pray with you. And I listen, I know you're like, hey, yeah, that's embarrassing. Like, then people are going to know that I'm a sinner. You've already admitted it. We're good. Right? <laughs> None of, nobody is surprised. sometimes to express, God, our gratefulness and thankfulness that because you loved us so much that you gave your only son that whoever of us would believe would not die from the result of our sin but would have everlasting life. So, Father, forgive us. God, forgive us for believing these myths around what is really dangerous and and full of earthly and spiritual and eternal consequences. So, Father, we confess, we repent. God, we proclaim that we love you. God, for all of us who are guilty, thank you for making Jesus guilty so that we can be set free. our guilt and shame.